Zachary Pinsens is a charismatic individual who's become a viral sensation within the world of inspirational speaking and hypnosis. He's appeared on TEDx. He's also worked alongside the global phenomenon that is Tim Robbins. You may recall that earlier this year, I spoke with Ellie Garnon, another hypnotist whose work revolves around the spiritual and her and her client's belief in past life regression. Zachary, by contrast, is a more traditional hypnotist. He isn't here to offer insights into reincarnation. His focus is on the here and now, providing entertainment and helping people to improve their current lives. Zachary, thanks for joining me. How did you first get involved in hypnotism? My journey with hypnosis started initially doing magic. So when I was in college, I decided to learn sleight of hand and card tricks just as a hobby. I picked it up for fun. And when I started doing magic, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even shuffle a deck of cards. I had no experience, but just got into it because I thought it was neat and fun and started just watching videos on YouTube, of course, just learning how to do basic shuffles and card tricks. And and after a few months of doing it, was really enjoying it. So I started to get into it a little more seriously and getting more professional resources to learn from and the, the books and the DVDs and getting advice from other magicians. And after about a year or so of doing magic, I was having so much fun with it that I decided to get into doing other types of performance and performing. So got into doing comedy, did some stand-up, joined an improv troupe on campus, did some improv comedy as well. And and then I decided to get into hypnosis as well. I thought, hey, you know, I learned magic from scratch. I've always thought magic was neat. I learned that. I've always thought hypnosis was pretty cool. And so why not try to learn that as well, too? And so I just picked up a, a DVD on hypnosis initially, just out of curiosity and watched it, got into it and started practicing a little bit on my own. And after a few months of doing that, just kind of, again, as a hobby, just on the side, I was really enjoying it, really getting into it and thought, you know, I want to I want to make this my career. I was a communication major. I was learning at my senior year of college. And so decided to jump into doing it as a full-time profession and job. And now I've done shows around the country and do a lot of videos and I've been doing it full-time for over five years. But yeah, it just started out of curiosity of just picking it up as a hobby for fun. And then it turned into my career, which was pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. So essentially you were self-taught. You didn't have a mentor or anything. For the first few months, I was self-taught initially just getting started. And then when I decided to take it more seriously, that's when I got a mentor. I got someone to train me. I got certified through the National Guild of Hypnotists after I graduated as well. And so initially just getting into it was all self-taught. And then when I decided to take it more seriously, I got mentors and training and certifications from there. From your understanding, and I realize that you come from a communications background rather than neuroscience, but from your understanding... What kind of mental state is someone in when they're under hypnosis? Sure. I think the funny thing about that question is if you ask a hundred different hypnotists that question, they might give you a hundred different answers because it's really hard to sort of quantify exactly what hypnosis is. And it's one of those things that there is a lot of mysticism behind it. It gets a bad reputation based on the movies and the ways that it's portrayed as this mind control, superpower, you know, whatever it may be. But the way I like to describe hypnosis as simple as possible is ultimately just the idea by which we experience what we believe, sort of a, a heightened way of using the placebo effect. That's something a lot of people are familiar with. And we don't really know why the placebo effect works. We don't know exactly what's going on in the brain that's causing us to take a sugar pill or a saline solution and actually get better as if it was real medicine. But we know it does have that effect. And we know that our mind is capable of producing a reality that is not true, but when we believe it's true, then we will feel like it is and we produce that 
physiologically as well as psychologically. So hypnosis, I like to say just simply is the idea by which we experience what we believe. And through putting somebody into a hypnotized trance-like state, you sort of slow down their cognitive critical thinking part of their mind that we utilize on, on the day-to-day. And so you get them into that state where they're more susceptible to the ideas, they're more open to believing something they normally wouldn't. Sort of similar to when we dream at night, we have these crazy experiences that aren't actually true, but our cognitive part of our brain is so slowed down when we're in that sleep-like state that our mind is so open to experiencing it and it feels real even though it's not. So hypnosis is kind of like almost a waking dream where you're in that state that you're experiencing something that may not be true, but feels like it is. So to get in that state, it's a physiological process where you slow down your breathing and so forth as if you're in a deep sleep, even though you're awake. Is that correct? Exactly. And there are some times where you may not need that total relaxation. Like, for example, with the placebo effect, people don't have to take a nap before they can take the sugar pill, right? We know there's some part of the brain that still works. But a lot of times when you're doing it with the shows or with hypnotherapy, right, a part of that process is getting people into that relaxed state because it makes the hypnosis much more effective if you can get to that point where you're more slowed down. To that point, I've seen other hypnotists and read about hypnotists who describe this really lengthy process that takes an hour or so to get into this meditative state. But I've seen some of your videos on YouTube and Facebook where your process seems remarkably quick. It's like close your eyes, bow your head, and the subject is already in the state. Is that the placebo effect that you were talking about where these individuals in this quick hypnosis are in that state mentally, even if physiologically, they're not. Yeah, so sometimes uh, the conditioning can help, right? So if somebody has this preconceived expectation of they know, okay, oh, this is the hypnotist that I've seen online, and he's the guy that can do this thing. And so I'm, I'm already sort of opening myself up, and I'm ready to do that. You can hypnotize them within seconds, because they're already building that expectation. Versus if you have somebody who is never heard of hypnosis, they don't believe in it, they think it's fake, they think it's like the movies, they think they can't get hypnotized they don't have that preconceived notion. They don't have that positive expectation. So it might take a little bit longer to get them to the point where they can let their guard down. They can allow themselves to have this experience. And a lot of times when you work with clients or hypnotherapists, when we're we're seeing people to help them overcome a specific problem, they come in with that hesitation and, you know, that, that resistance to it. So that's why you usually do sessions that take a little more time and you can lead people into it. But But with a lot of the shows and the fun videos that I do, people oftentimes go into those with this heightened expectation and excitement, and it just makes it a lot easier and quicker in that way. You said before it's something you believe. And I saw one video of yours where there was a guy you hypnotized into believing that all of his friends surrounding him were aliens. Does that mean he is someone who believes in aliens? Or does that mean... He is someone who believes in hypnosis. So because under hypnosis, you said his friends were aliens, he thinks they are. If you understand the difference. Whether or not he believes in aliens, he's having this experience, at least on an emotional level. Sometimes you get people to the point where they actually are creating this hallucinative experience where they're actually seeing aliens or they're seeing something different. For a lot of people, it's that emotional experience where... I'm like, okay, I didn't see my friends as aliens, but I felt like they were, and it felt really off, and it felt really strange, and you get them into this state. So it's more like people will often ask, oh, well, are they just acting? Are they just pretending like they're friends or aliens? Are they just going along with it? It's almost like you're acting when you're not aware that you're acting. So to them, they're in this state where 
You, know, you could act as if your friends were aliens in the room and how you would freak out and what you would do, but that may not come across as an authentic response, right? And if people go back and they watch that video on my YouTube or Instagram or TikTok where they can see his reactions were very minute and you can see his facial ex expressions and the way he's looking around the room and the way his breathing sort of shifts and changes and the uneasiness about him is, is very hard to act that in, in a fake way. So he was having an authentic response to something that wasn't actually true because he was creating this belief that it was true. To your point then, you said some people who come in for different types of therapy are sometimes much more guarded. Are there others who can't be hypnotized because they simply don't believe in the process? Or can anyone be hypnotized? So everybody can be hypnotized. And again, I like to say that if you can dream, you can be hypnotized because your brain is already doing that. We know that's how our brain works. I will say there are some people who are more open to hypnosis. They might be more suggestible to new ideas, right? If you have someone who's a more like type A, analytical, critical thinking type person, they really rely on that analytical part of their mind. So getting them to let that part slow down and bypass it will be a little more challenging than for other people who maybe lean more heavily into the emotion and the experience and in the moment. And they're like, sure, they could just let their guard down and, and have that experience. So those people would be the ones who would be more easily hypnotizable. But that's not to say others can't be. Sometimes it just takes more time where you get someone who's really open and excited and has that expectation and they can get hypnotized within a few seconds. You have someone who you know, maybe is more resistant. It may not work right away. And I've had, had instances where I had somebody and they tried to get hypnotized and it didn't work at all. And then later on, they tried it again and it worked great. Or the opposite happened, where I had someone who they got hypnotized great the first time, they tried it again the second time and it didn't really work at all. Because sometimes it just depends on the environment or the situation or you're too distracted by what else was going on in the previous day. And so sometimes when people haven't been able to get hypnotized, it's not that they can't be or that it won't work or they're unhypnotizable. Maybe it just wasn't the right time or maybe you weren't comfortable with the hypnotist or maybe there are all these other you know situations or factors that could have gone into it. But again, if you, if you dream, if you know your mind uses, you know, that psychology and that's the way it works. So I say anyone can be hypnotized, which is, is fun because it's just rooted in our minds. It's funny you say that, actually, because I'm a very analytical person and I've gone under or attempted to go under hypnosis twice. And both times my mind was just running, analyzing the process, you know, what's being said? Why are they doing this? What's happening, etc. You know, what's going on here? Is this even legitimate? And in the end, in the second time, I did finally get to a point where I was in what I would call a meditative state. But it just took a really long time to get there because just how I am, I was scrutinizing every single step of the process. I kind of see it similar to meditation, right? Where meditation, you sort of get into this point where the point is to kind of relax and listen and focus. But if you're really analyzing the meditation of like, oh, why is he saying that? Or why is he talking like that? Or why is he saying that specific thing? Then you're not really in that experience and it doesn't work as well because you're thinking about it. Hypnosis is the same way. Like you can get caught up in thinking about the experience and then you're not fully experiencing it. And I've got hypnotized, you know, many times by other hypnotists too, especially in the training process and the certification class. And it's tempting for me as a hypnotist to be like, oh, that's an interesting technique they're using. And what are they, and I want to lead, analyze and learn from what they're doing. But in order for it to work, I have to like, all right, not do that and focus and really concentrate and let them get to that point. So, so yeah, it can be tough to turn that off and, and, and want to analyze it, but you sort of have to let yourself have the experience. There are some people and indeed some hypnotists who claim or believe that through hypnosis, you can unlock hidden or lost memories. 
Now, you're probably too young to remember. Um, it was back in the 90s. I don't even you know if you're alive then. But anyway, in the UK and in the United States, in unrelated cases, there was this so-called satanic panic, where young kids under hypnosis started to recall this horrific child abuse by devil worshippers. Obviously, the authorities got involved and investigated, but ultimately, the consensus was that these kids had what they were calling false memories. Maybe the hypnotist had accidentally or otherwise introduced these ideas or suggestions. But there are people who believe you can unlock memories, with some adherents taking it even a step further and suggesting you can even recover memories from past lives if you've been reincarnated. What are your thoughts on that? Not so much the past life regression, which is obviously a whole other belief system, but the idea that somehow in our minds we have these memories that are kind of blocked from us, but somehow we can unlock them subconsciously through hypnosis. I think it is to an extent. I think when a lot of people think about memory, you know, they think about it, think about it wrong. A lot of people assume memory is more just we take a snapshot of, of something that happens or like a video in our mind and we can remember it vividly in exact details. But that's not the way that we psychologically store information. Our memories are not an exact snapshot of what's happening. Our memories are actually us retelling ourselves what's happening. And that's why when you tell the story of something, you know, over time it changes and changes because you're not telling the story parallel to exactly what happened. You're telling the story based on your retelling and then your next retelling is based on that retelling, not the original thing. So memories, that's why they can get you know distorted over time and they're not always accurate. And, and you remember something and then you look at an old video or photo and you're like, oh, that wasn't how I remembered it at all because you're just basing it off of your retelling that memory. The way that leads into hypnosis, being able to recall old memories is that, you know, it's not just a recall thing. You're not hypnotizing somebody to just play that video in their mind that was recording the memory because that's not how it works. So a lot of times that's something you have to be careful with because you know, there have been instances where people have been hypnotized to bring up old memories and it's really just them imagining what would have happened if they had that memory or, or I can say, oh, you know, imagine a time when you were five years old and this happened, maybe it did happen. You now know that memory in detail. And if your mind doesn't actually know it, it will fill in those gaps with guesses and estimations and it will act as if it does so memory is one of those things where you can get people to sort of maybe add more detail to their memories whether or not those details are actually accurate or not is hard to say but especially with some of those extreme examples of you're having people remember these crazy satanic cults or remember their past lives from generations ago there's not a lot of science there's not a lot to disprove that I can certainly remain open, right? You can't disprove it necessarily either, but you know, I don't necessarily believe that hypnosis is used to that extreme. Yeah, I would agree with that. I saw a hypnotist on Oprah and they showed a highlight reel of a session and it seemed really compelling. The guy who was hypnotizing recalled all these things from his past life and it was very vivid and emotional. But then I found a version of the full video of the entire session. And before he even hypnotized this guy, he was asking him things like, what are you afraid of? And the guy said, oh, I'm afraid of heights and I have a fear of falling. So then the hypnotist said, oh, maybe in your past life you fell from something or maybe you were flying in the air. And it just seemed very much like he'd left the breadcrumbs for this patient sort of prepping him for apparent memories 
to take a certain form. And then lo and behold, under hypnosis, this guy says, oh, I was in a plane crash. But um, anyway, building on from that and the power of suggestion, we know that in the 1960s, the CIA had this infamous MK Ultra program where they tried to use hypnosis, among other things, to develop mind control. And, you know, movies like The Manchurian Candidate, for example, build on this. Do you think it's possible then, if you had, let's say, some kind of malevolent burglar who was a proficient hypnotist, that he could use mind control when he was robbing houses? So, you know, the homeowner would open the door, get under his spell, and then seemingly willingly hand over all their property to the burglar, who obviously then, you know, the housekeeper couldn't really complain to the police because they say, well, we saw in your door cam, you open up and gave him all your stuff. So I will say, to answer this question as honestly as possible, I will say generally that won't work. But there could be some instances where it does. Because again, certain people are much more susceptible or open-minded or maybe easier to hypnotize or will more naturally get into it. So let's say that you run this experiment and you are trying to burglarize a thousand people and you show up to a thousand houses and you try to hypnotize them to hand over their wallet and their keys at the door. Probably 990 of, of those people aren't going to get hypnotized at all. And it's not going to work. And they're like, get out of here. What are you trying to do? But there's a chance that maybe a few of them, maybe one or two, five, 10 people would get in this state where you sort of create this shock or their confusion. Like, huh, what's going on? Okay, sure. Uh, here you go. And they sort of get in this state where it would actually work. Now, again, this isn't going to work all the time. It doesn't mean most people are susceptible. Most of the time, this wouldn't actually work. But I think it would be dishonest to say it's not possible and it's never going to happen and that would never work because sometimes there are those instances. And there are, you know, in third world countries, there are people who use certain hypnotic techniques to try to pickpocket somebody or get somebody to hand, hand over their valuables on the street. And again, they're out doing this all day. They do it with 100 people. It doesn't work on most of them. But if they can get one or two, that's all they need to rob somebody and, and to take something from them. And, and so there are those instances where sometimes it can work. Most of the time it doesn't. It's not mind control. It's not like the movies where you just pick anybody on the street and you zap them into that hypnotized state and suddenly you can do whatever you want with them. So, so yeah, most of the time it does take that willingness and it does take that receptiveness from the other person. But sometimes, on very few instances, it can work like that, which is pretty cool. Okay, so all the burglars out there will be thinking, hey, I have to try this. I don't think if you're a burglar listening to this, no, it doesn't ever work. Don't ever try it. On a more serious note, I have read about hypnotists who've helped people, for example, who wanted to give up smoking. And based on the participatory aspect you've described, it seems to me like that would be kind of a conflict for a smoker. Because on one hand, they're going to the hypnotist saying, hey, I want to quit smoking, will you help me? But on the other hand, if they keep smoking, then there's some part of them that seemingly wants to keep smoking. How does that dynamic work under hypnosis when somebody has that kind of internal conflict? You know, which side wins the battle? And can it even be effective trying to help someone who is in that kind of indecisive state? Yeah, absolutely. In those instances, you know, there's this psychological phenomenon going on called cognitive dissonance, where there's two differing beliefs, two different ideas, right? The person wants to stop smoking because some part of their mind knows that it's unhealthy, that they're taking years off their life doing it, that it is making their stuff smell, that it's, you know, causing these issues. And then there's the other part that 
oh, but it feels nice. Oh, but it gets the stress off. Oh, but I've been doing it for so long. I don't know if I could break it, but, but I like it. There's a part of me that wants it. So there's these two differing beliefs. There's this dissonance that's happening in their cognition. That's why it's called cognitive dissonance. So when somebody goes into a hypnotist, the hypnotist is trying to help them break past that. And they're trying to help them get to the point where they can make that decision and they can get to that point where they can bypass the things that are holding them back or their limiting beliefs or the things that subconsciously might be holding them back. And there might be somebody who says, oh, I really want to quit smoking. But deep inside, they're a really anxious person. And the smoking is the only thing that's keeping them from not breaking down and having these panic attacks. And they may not have this awareness of this in their psychology. They just might think, oh, well, I just smoke because it's a habit and I can't break it and I don't know why. A hypnotist can often act like a therapist and help people to get to that realization of what's going on. But ultimately, if someone doesn't want to change, a hypnotist can't make them magically change. And sometimes yeah. people will go into a hypnotist where they will say, you know what, I, you know, I really don't want to change. They might say verbally, yes, I want to quit and I want to change, but deep inside they don't. And they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go to this hypnotist and I know it's not going to work but I'm going to just go and it's not going to work. And I'm going to prove to myself that it won't. So I can use it as an excuse to keep justifying my behavior. And on the opposite side of it, my grandmother, you know, used to be a smoker and there was a hypnotist who was helping people quit. And she was hearing all these stories of, of people who were, you know, quitting smoking from this hypnotist, but the hypnotist was fairly expensive and he charged a good amount of money. And my grandmother being a very frugal person was like, well, I, I don't need to pay this guy to do it. I can just quit on my own. And she did. Like she just sort of was like, oh, well, I don't need to go see that. I have to just, I can do this myself. I don't need to pay the money. So she sort of had that motivation and she didn't even need to actually see the hypnotist. You know, I say that's a very successful hypnotist because he didn't even need to see the client to be able to get the work done, right? But she was so open and she was just ready to quit. And she was like, well, I know it works and it can work for all these other people, but I'll just kind of do it on my own or I'll make that decision without having to pay the money. And and that was a driver to to save the money and be frugal in that sense, but but yeah, it really depends on the person going into the experiences. Sometimes you can go in and you can have someone who smoked for decades and they leave and they never smoke again. And sometimes people will go in and they really don't want to quit and they're trying to just justify their habit and, and it won't work in that moment. But well, like I said, anyone can be hypnotized. Anyone can achieve that state. And it works for people all the time. There are thousands of hypnotherapists around the country that help a lot of people quit and they quit forever. And a lot of them are my friends and people I know personally. And so it absolutely does work. But ultimately, in the same way that you can't walk into your therapist's office and just be like, hey, fix me and make all my problems go away. You know, there has to be some willingness and openness from the client, from that person to be willing to make that change on their own as well. We've talked about hypnosis as a form of entertainment and the guy who thought his friends aliens and about the possible health benefits with smoking cessation and things. But is there, in your view, any tangible benefit to hypnosis beyond that, just as a means within itself? You know, I mean, is it good to get is it good to get hypnotized just because? Yeah, one thing I like to help people explore, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed even just exploring on my own as a hypnotist is understanding how we often are hypnotizing ourselves every day. And if you look at the way that your mind works and the way our minds think and our thoughts, if you basically call them hypnotic suggestions, you know, it gives you an insight into how your mind is working and what it's doing. You know, if you're thinking all the time, oh, well, well, no one loves me. I'm never going to amount to anything and I can never achieve anything. And I just have a miserable life and, and it's awful. And, and those are the thoughts that you're allowing yourself to think and focus on and dwell on. Then that will be what creates your experience. It's sort of like if you ask somebody, 
you know, is it a good day or is it a bad day? You know, ultimately it's just a day, but the thoughts, the attitudes, the things you're focusing on dwelling on will dictate your perception. It will dictate your experience. You can look at what's going on around you. You can look at your day from the lens and from the thoughts and from the perspectives of, oh, here are all the good things and the amazing things and how it was a great day. And you can do the opposite. You can say, well, here's how they sucked and how it was awful and these bad things happened and the negative things happened. Ultimately, your experience is being created just out of your beliefs. And a lot of times those beliefs can come from your thoughts. And, you know, we don't always choose which thoughts show up in our minds. You know, that's one of the things we're still learning about, you know, the neuroscience in our brain and how that works. A good analogy I like to use is that, you know, we don't stop our thoughts from coming. We can't choose our thoughts. Our thoughts are kind of like the waves in the ocean. And you can't stop the waves from coming, but you can choose which ones you surf. You can't stop yourself from thinking certain thoughts, but you can choose which ones you focus on, which ones you dwell on, and which ones you believe, because ultimately what you believe is what you experience, and you can either allow your thoughts to hypnotize you, or you can take back that power and be the one to hypnotize your thoughts. When I was researching before this episode, one thing I learned was that back in the 1920s, hypnotism was really popular in England as part of the wider spiritual psychical movement Partly, you know, because after World War One, with so much loss and devastation, I think, you know, there was this spiritual search for people, you know, looking beyond church and things to, you know, connect with lost ones and so forth. But by the time I was a kid, you know, in the 1980s and in the 90s, hypnotism had been, in England anyway, relegated to sort of carnivals and sideshows. And people were pretty cynical about it as a whole, you know, it was just kind of like a parlor trick and sleight of hand. It seems as if in recent years, though, it started to become much more mainstream again. Do you think the pendulum has swung and people are now much more open to hypnotism as something beyond, you know, a gimmick? I think it's gotten better, but I do think there is still a long way that hypnosis has to go in the cultural eye and in pop culture, because I think most people have never seen a hypnosis show or they've never interacted with a hypnotist or they've never been hypnotized. So all they know of hypnosis is, oh, I saw it in a movie once or I saw Get Out with Jordan Peele or I saw The Office Space from the 90s or, or I saw The Incredible 2 where this villain, the Mind Slayer, was controlling people's minds with hypnosis or I saw you Now You See Me where this guy robbed this person by putting them in a state of hypnosis. And that's all they have to go off of. And so... You know, when people say, oh, well, hypnosis isn't real, it's fake, it's not true. You know, I empathize with, with their situation because I get that, well, all you know of hypnosis is the stuff in the movies that is fake, that isn't true. So what you know of hypnosis isn't true, but there is a different side of hypnosis that actually is grounded in psychology, that's grounded in how our minds naturally work, that can create a real and oftentimes positive experience, but people just aren't familiar with it or they don't know. And so... That's something that I think has been cool for me as I've created, you know, some virality online and created a decent sized following with my social media and platform that that I've been able to expose more people to what hypnosis actually is. And people will see it and they'll be like, oh, I never knew hypnosis could work that way or, oh, I've never seen hypnosis like this before. And of course, I still get all the comments of people. Oh, well, that's fake or that's not real or this is just paying actors or he's paying these people to do this or they're pretending. And again, I get that it comes from their lack of experience and based on what they know, the hypnosis they know isn't true, but there is a sense of hypnosis that's out there that is a lot more than what people realize. And and I think it's certainly come a long ways from, you know, the the early 20th century and the past several decades, but it also has a long way to go as well. So 
Mm-hmm. We'll see where it ends up over the coming years. All right. One last question. And it's probably the number one thing I've always wondered about hypnotists, even though it's probably to you a bit of a ridiculous, silly question. But in all the old movies, so often we see a villain whip out a pocket watch and use it to hypnotize the unsuspecting victim. Is there any validity to that process? Or is that whole thing just swinging this charm in front of someone's eye, just something that was conjured up by Hollywood? So you don't need it, but it can help. And, and the way that it helps is you create this focal point for somebody. It doesn't have to be a pocket watch. Again, that's the, that's the cheesy, the stage prop that people use. But you can say, follow the pocket watch. You can say, follow my finger and just look at my finger as it goes back and forth. You can say, stare at that thing at the wall behind you as you listen to the sound of my voice. All that's doing is just creating a focal point for people to get concentrated. Because if you're staring at something or looking at something and you're locked into that, then you're not looking around the room or thinking or distracted, right? And you can more easily get locked into the suggestion and the experience and what the hypnotist is telling you. So you don't need an actual pocket watch. And there are times where, again, you don't even need the focal point, but sometimes it helps for people that might be more easily distracted. And so that's sort of where that came from is it is grounded in something that can help the experience, but it's not necessary to it either. Zach, it's been really enjoyable talking to you. I've learned a lot, but I know there are going to be people listening here who want to hear more about you and your talents. Where can the listeners find out more about you? For you or for anyone else that's listening, if you want to experience you know, a different, per, a different side of being able to get hypnotized, I have a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel just under my name, just at Zach Pinsence, Z-A-C-H-P-I-N-C-I-N-C-E. And there are videos where you can get hypnotized through the screen. They're 15, 20-minute little hypnosis experience videos where you can pop some headphones in and, and sit in your room and, and be able to experience hypnosis for yourself. And those videos have gotten the whole gauntlet of people try them and they're like, wow, this didn't work. This was stupid and fake. And I hate this. And, th- and you know, thanks for wasting my time. And the opposite where people say this was literally life-changing and I actually got over a bad habit or I quit smoking or I got over my fear because of this video. So thank you so much. And so again, there's a whole variance. It oftentimes depends on the person and where they're at going to the experience. But if you're someone listening to this and is curious and want to try it for yourself, head over to my YouTube and check out some of those videos and see if you can get hypnotized too.